Sweeping shirts. <laughs> Let's all stand and sing today. No, I'm kidding. It's different, different day, different day. Hey, if you guys don't know me, uh, my name is Brandon, and I get the honor and privilege of serving as the worship pastor here at Living Church. And uh, yay, applause for being the worship pastor. Um, and I'm so thankful and so honored I get to share with you this morning, um, especially considering last week I was up here singing Eye of the Tiger in an Emmett Smith sweatshirt. So like God really does use the unlikely. So if you don't think that he can use you, he can because he can use this moron. So we're doing great. Um, so already so self-deprecating. So, uh, but thank you so much for real. Thank you so much to Pastor Trustin. How many of you guys are thankful for Pastor Trustin who leads our church so well? Man. Not only is he such a great leader and such a great communicator himself, but he also believes in equipping other people. And that's what he's doing this morning, uh, kind of giving the 16-year-old the keys to the car, right? And just hoping they don't say anything too heretical. So thank you so much, Pastor Trustin. Uh, thank you for, for allowing me to share and speak this morning. I'm really excited. Uh, also, my wife told me she's going to be dance mom and me this morning. So like if I need to slow down, she's going to like, and like remind me to smile and all that kind of stuff. So we'll be good. It's going to be a good day. Uh, so this morning, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about a topic that's really near to my heart. Um, we're going to be talking about worship, right? Obviously, get the worship guide to talk about worship. Um, and specifically, I want to talk about um, corporate congregational worship. So like what we do on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night when we come in here and we sing. Like what is that all about? There's a lot of questions that come up that people have, and I'm hoping to kind of shed some light on some of those things today. Um, and full disclosure, uh, this wasn't always a topic that I understood very well or even really cared that much about. I know that may be shocking because you probably have an image of a worship pastor like we all just float around on clouds, like with our guitars and our skinny jeans and our cool haircuts, right? And we just like constantly sing the praises of God. But, but it's true. I really, as, as a young Christian, really struggled with this idea of of worship, of corporate singing, like why did we have to do it? Um, so a little bit of background on me. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. I really had hardly set foot in a church until I was almost 16. Um, but by the grace of God, he saved me, and I was able to get involved in an awesome little youth group in my hometown. And, um, and just to give some background on the youth group itself, it wasn't like a cool youth group. You know, like I thank God every day for pastors Elisha and Melissa, not only, yeah, not only because they run an amazing, impactful, life-changing student ministry here uh, at Living Church, but also like it's cool. Like I feel cooler when I go to Spark and I like, and I'm not even that cool. So I feel really cool when I go to Spark. This was not my youth group, right? It was just in a gym, like fluorescent lights, fold out chairs, just one guy on an acoustic guitar, just like doing his best who really, you know, Creed, you know, the band Creed, he like sounded like Scott Stapp from Creed on a bad day. Like if Scott Stapp had a cold, like that's kind of, you know, just hurly, like it was just, it was rough every week. So he was doing his best, though. We loved him. Um, so that's kind of where my struggle with worship first started. It really went way beyond those kind of topical things. Um, you know, it made sense to me that we needed to pray, right? We've got to talk to God. It made sense to me that somebody had to get up and teach me about the Bible. That seemed like a pretty important book, and somebody smarter than me needed to tell me about that. But I, I really struggled with, with why we worshiped. To be honest, I, I thought it was kind of weird and, and not very good. And and I just had all these questions that started to pop up. You know, like, why, why did we all have to stand and stare in the same direction and sing songs to a God that I couldn't see? Why was this necessary? Why couldn't that guy just do all of the singing? Why do I have to sing too? Why does he keep asking me to sing over and over again? 
Was God so insecure that he needed me to tell him how great he was all the time? Did God listen? Was he there? Did he care that I was singing to him? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you guys have maybe had some of those same questions, right? It's okay. Sometimes I do. While I'm up here singing, I have the thought, like, is God listening? Is he here? Does he care? And that's okay, right? Faith doesn't mean we have everything figured out. Faith just means we run to God with our questions, and that's what we're doing this morning. We're getting more understanding from God. But then something shifted for me, um, and that thing was I got involved. So my youth pastor found out that I played guitar, and remember, not cool youth group. So youth pastor pretty much didn't give me an option. He was like, all right, cool, man. Next week, you're going to be up there playing with old Scott Stapp. Good luck. Um, So I jumped up there, and I started getting involved in worship. And I thought, you know what? I love playing guitar so much. I love music that maybe this will help me, like, just enjoy this part of service more. It'll help me get through it. Uh, It won't be that bad. But to my surprise, God actually began to teach me through my participation and my involvement. As I got more involved and as I participated and as I stepped out week after week, God began to teach me how to worship him. And just a side note, if that's not a push to start getting involved and serving in church, then I don't know what is, right? You don't need to have everything figured out to start serving. You don't need to have everything figured out to start participating in what God has for you. Just take inventory of your gifts and start jumping in, right? So just like Pastor Trustin says, I don't have time to preach about that right now. So we're going to go ahead and move on. So through my participation, God started to teach me some things about worship. And I want to start, I want to share some of those things with you this morning. And so the three things I want to look at this morning in worship is our purpose, the posture, and the power. You guys like that? You know if Pastor Trustin helps you with a message, you're going to have alliteration in there somewhere. So we're going to look at the purpose, the power, and the posture. All right, so um, the first thing we want to look at today uh, is the why behind worship. Why do we worship? And that's our purpose. So in my mind, worship has a twofold purpose, and it's this. Worship's purpose is to simultaneously give honor to God and to allow God to work in us. So worship's purpose is to simultaneously give honor to God and allow God to work on us. So let's look at that first half first. We want to give honor to God. So what we first have to understand is that our worship gives honor and glory and praise to a good and deserving God. He's good and he's deserving of our worship. The Bible tells us that time and time again, it commands us to worship God, to ascribe glory and honor and praise to God on no other basis than he's good. That's all the reason you need. He's good and he's deserving. And so we're commanded to worship him. Um, David would say it this way. This is King David upon receiving the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant was this big box filled with holy relics, and the presence of God kind of went with it, and he's receiving it into his kingdom. And it says this in 1 Chronicles. This is David talking. He said, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. I would go on in that same chapter to say that the very seas and forests sing out the praises of God. 
That's how good our God is, that inanimate objects in creation will start ascribing glory and honor and praise to him simply because he's good and his steadfast love endures forever. Honestly, it's mind-blowing that that happens and that we get to participate in that, that we are commanded to ascribe glory and honor and praise to God. You know, there's this incomprehensiveness to our worship that we might not ever fully know until we get to be with him in eternity, but what we can know today is that he has established the earth, that he reigns over it in goodness and in sovereignty, and we as his children are asked to ascribe honor and glory back to him on no other grounds than he's good. That's all we need to know is that he's good. So that's important to remember, right? But let's look at the second half as well. So uh, worship's purpose is to give honor and glory to God, but it also allows God to work on us. Because the incredible thing is that God asks us to respond to him and give him glory and honor and praise and tell him how great he is. But the incredible thing is that he doesn't need it. Did you ever think about that? Like God doesn't need our praise. God isn't some lonely, insecure guy sitting up in heaven just checking his watch every, every Sunday at 9, 15, and 11 just going like, man, don't they know how good I am? I just wish they'd sing to me today. Like, that's, that's not God. That's not God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God has no need for our worship, but he delights in it. He doesn't need our worship, but he delights in it. God loves to hear the sound of his children's voices. I'd imagine if you're a parent, you probably feel similarly. You love to hear your child direct their attention and affection toward you. When your child runs up to you and for no reason just says, I love you, it does something in your heart, right? There's an intimacy and a connection that's created there, and God desires that from us as well. So since he loves our worship, but he doesn't need our worship, we can assume that God asks us to worship so that he might work on us, so that he might be close to us so that we might put our hearts in a place that says, God, will you work in me? Will you teach me your will? Will you teach me your presence? Will you teach me your character? C.S. Lewis says it this way in Reflections on the Psalms, um, to fully enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. How many times have you ever been to like a new restaurant or you've seen a new movie that you just, it blew your mind. You couldn't stop talking about it. I remember the first time I went to Ruth's Chris, uh, some guys from my wedding took me on like our little bachelor party. Pastor Elisha was there. It was awesome. And it blew my mind how good this steak was. I had never had anything so good in my entire life, and I couldn't stop talking about it. And honestly, my enjoyment of that thing wasn't really fulfilled until I was able to talk about how great it was. And I think the same thing is true with our worship. Our enjoyment of God isn't fully consummated, isn't fully complete until we can talk about how great he is. Our worship is no different. Uh, Jack Hayford, he's a pastor and and a worship leader. He would say that worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one being worshiped. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one being worshiped. That's at the core of what true worship is. Not only does it, does it give God praise and exaltation, but it also serves as a time of refining and sanctification for us. As God, through our praise, teaches us more about his character and his presence. 
as we praise him, he's making us more like him. How amazing is that? As we praise God, he makes us more like him. He sanctifies us. He refines us. He teaches us. I know in times of worship for me, God, God has dealt with me in various ways. When I, when I open myself up to the presence of God and I come into a place like this and I worship, God reminds me that I'm his son. God reminds me that, that he loves me. God, God brings peace where sometimes I'm anxious. God brings direction where sometimes I'm confused. God brings conviction sometimes when I'm wrong. And that's what we're able to do when we worship God. So now that we've wrapped our heads around the why, right, my next step would be to understand the how. Because the truth of the matter is that uh, worship isn't something we're just meant to stand back and observe, right? We say it here all the time, but, but when we worship... Um, it's not a band and an audience type of relationship, right? It's not uh, a performer up here performing for you so you can enjoy some songs, right? It's all of us participating together. I also like to use the example of it's not Christian karaoke, right? That just kind of makes it seem like, ooh, kind of seedy and gross. Like, it's not Christian karaoke. It's not us just following the bouncing ball on the screens until we get to sit down again, right? Um, worship is something that we're called to actively participate in. So how do we do that? Well, we have to posture ourselves. That's our second P in our alliteration, right? We have to posture ourselves. And you see, we all posture ourselves for different things, right? We do it every day. You postured yourself to come to church this morning, right? You got up, you took a shower, you put on your church clothes, right? You got all nice and your shiny shoes, and you came uh, ready for church. You posture yourself to go mow the lawn, right? You go and you put on like your old ratty tennis shoes, and like for me, I put on my cutoff shorts, right? <laughs> They're more down here. They're not that, they're not a high cutoff, right? But you posture yourself to do different things, so why wouldn't we posture ourselves to come into the presence of God? So the first thing we can do in order to posture ourselves uh, in worship is to sing, right? Probably the most obvious one is, is we can sing. It tells us this in Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So before we even move on, I know I've probably already lost some of you because you might say, well, that doesn't apply to me because I don't sing. And I would say, yes, you do. And you would say, no, I don't. And I would say, yeah, you do. And you would say... <laughs> No, I don't. Like, for real, uh, I've heard, like, bags of dying cats make more pleasant noises than what I make on a Sunday morning. And I would say, sure, maybe you're not going to turn any chairs on the voice anytime soon, but can you make a joyful noise? Have you ever cheered for something? Have you ever been excited about something and made an audible sound because you were so excited about that thing? Because that's all God asks of us. Can you think back in your mind to how God has delivered you out of something terrible, and can you verbally and audibly thank him? Because that's all the Bible commands us to do today. It, says us that, it tells us this in Psalm 98, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. God knew it when he created you. He may not have given you a good voice. That's okay. He made concession for that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Again, later in that same chapter, David, uh, the psalmist, gives us again an example of seas and forests crying out and, and, and saying the praises of God. Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard a, a sea sing a song? 
Have you ever heard of a tree like just bust out and start singing? No, I don't. I hope you haven't, right? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I really doubt that you have, right? But what you have heard is you've heard an ocean crashing against the shore. You've heard that sound, right? Then you've heard that sea worshiping God by doing exactly the thing it was created to do. And it's not singing a song. It's not doing all these cool little runs or anything like this. It's just making a joyful noise based out of what God has already created it to do. See, you weren't made to be Beyonce, right? You weren't made to be Whitney Houston. You were just created to make joyful noises in the presence of God in recognition for what he's done for you. And this is really important. Don't ever let the enemy shackle you with insecurity to the point where you think your worship is invaluable or less than someone else's. Don't let him do that to you. God loves to hear you sing. He loves to hear your voice. He's pleased when you sing to him. We were made to posture ourselves to sing. I want to spend a little more time here talking about singing because, to be honest, it's kind of weird, right? Did you ever think about that? Like, why did God, who is the creator of the universe, could have us do anything, why would he have us sing, right? He could have had us, like, run in circles or do headstands or fight bears. Like, he could have had us do anything, but he has us sing, right? Did you know there are almost 400 references to music throughout the Bible? 400 references. And within those 400 references, there are 50 direct commands to sing. There are 50 direct commands to sing. Commands, not like a polite asking or like, a, well, if it's the right song or like if it sounds good that day or if your favorite person is singing, then maybe. But like direct commands to sing. Why? Why would God set it up that way? Well, I think there are a few reasons. And one, I think it's because there's power in music. There's power in music. And I want to show you what I mean. So hopefully they got me all set up here. So there's power in music, right? Music can change the atmosphere of a room, right? Just when I first started playing, you guys kind of all were like, okay, right? But then if I started playing like, uh, right? Changes the atmosphere of the room. I took what could have been a really spiritual moment and I ruined it, right? Okay. Music changes the atmosphere of the room, right? Like if I all of a sudden started playing a song um, that, that you had your first dance to, right? If you remembered you and your spouse dancing for the first time at your wedding, I could bring you back emotionally to that moment in a second. Or if I started playing a song that was played at the funeral of a loved one, the emotion of that moment would come flooding back in just a second. Or if I started playing like, in the arms of the angel. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody's, everybody's just going to start thinking about sad dogs and Sarah McLachlan, so we're not going to do that. So see, there's power in music, right? It's something that's even proven in science. There's been um, cases of stroke victims who've actually lost all their verbal function but then that verbal function is, is stimulated and brought back when certain pieces of music are played. How crazy is that? Right? There's power in music, and I, and I think um, God intended it to be that way. Because we see the same example in Scripture. It says this in 1 Samuel 16. When King Saul was troubled by an evil spirit, he called for his servants to bring him a skilled musician. 
a skilled musician. He's troubled by evil spirits. And the first thing he says is, bring me some guy that can play guitar really good, right? He doesn't look for a, a masseuse. He doesn't look for a dietitian. He doesn't look for a psychiatrist. He doesn't look for a concubine, right? He says, bring me a skilled musician. And they bring him young David. And David sits and he plays his harp for Saul. And the Bible tells us that when David played, the evil spirits left Saul and he was refreshed. All because of the power of music. I think there's particular power in singing specifically because God sings. Did you know this? I didn't really know this until I started looking into stuff for this message, but God sings. It says this in Zephaniah 3, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And again, in Matthew 26, we see Jesus on the night of his betrayal. Um, this is right after he takes the first communion with his disciples, and he says this in verse 30, and when he had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. We're singing to a God who loves to sing. And in the very command of singing, we are taking part in something that makes us more like God himself. And finally, singing helps us to remember. Singing helps us remember. Think about all of the things you've learned through song, right? My wife and I actually just watched the movie Finding Dory last night. It's awesome. It's adorable. You should watch it. Uh, but her whole thing is like she has short-term memory loss, and she can't remember stuff unless she sings it, right? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. So like she turns things into a song so she can remember it. Y'all, it's the only reason I know my three times tables. So thank you, Schoolhouse Rock, right? Three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18. 21, 24, 27, 30. I can't do that kind of math in my head, y'all. I had to have a song to teach me how to do it. Or if I asked you to recite the alphabet for me right now, you wouldn't just stand there and say A, B, C, right? You'd sound like a serial killer. No, you would sing me the song. You would sing me the song because that's how it was submitted to your memory. The more often we sing something, the more we will internalize that thing. The more often we sing something, the more we will internalize that thing. So considering that, how powerful would it be if every moment you faced trial or difficulty or struggle, you started to sing the truth of God's word over your life? If every time you were faced with hardship, you sang, I lift my eyes up, my help comes from the Lord, right? That's Psalm 121. Or if every time you were struggling with direction or discouragement, you said, your plans are still to prosper. You've not forgotten us, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. How powerful would it be if we started singing the truth of God over our lives? Gordon Fee would say this. Yeah, we can clap. That's all right. I get, I finally understand when, when Pastor Tristan's like, I'm preaching better than y'all let me know because there's times that like, you nail something and you're like, no, you guys didn't feel that? All right. That's okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just getting into this, though. We're just, we're just getting into it. Gordon Fee would say this. Gordon Fee is a theologian. Show me the songs you're singing, and I will show you your theology. Show me the songs you're singing, and I'll show you your theology. In other words, show me what's on repeat on the playlist of your life, and I'll show you what you believe about God. 
If you're constantly singing a song of insecurity or anxiety or shame or fear or anger or lust or pride, let me tell you, it's time to hit skip and move on to the next song to the truth of God in your life. King David in Psalm 42 tells us this, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. His soul was downcast, but he didn't let that be his reality. But the Bible doesn't just stop with singing. In scripture, we see a ton of other ways that we can praise God. Um, If you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably seen us lift hands, right? And you've probably heard a lot of the illustrations about the lifting of hands, There's a ton of them, right? It's like, you know, they liken it to, what do you do when you go to a a sporting event and you're excited about your team doing something amazing, right? You lift your hands. What do you do, or uh, think about a a child when they walk into a room and they see their parent, they lift their hands as a sign of affection because they want to be closer to their father or their mother. Or think about like if you walked out of church today and somebody robbed you, right? They stuck a gun in your face and and they said, stick them up. You, You would immediately put your hands up. Because in doing so, right, let me preface this by saying God's not threatening you, right? He's not, he's not going to rob you. Um, but in doing that, in doing this, you're, you're without words, you're non-verbally saying, okay, my will is now your will. You have authority over me in this moment. And all those are great and they're all true, but what we need to understand is that the ultimate example is given to us in Scripture. It says this in Psalm 143, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. I love the longing that's expressed there. As he's stretching out his hands, he's reminded of his great need for God. And so we do, we do, we do it in all of those ways. We do it as a sign of celebration. We do it as a sign of surrender. We do it as a sign of affection. We do it as a sign of longing for God. But the bigger thing to understand is that we do it. By physically responding to the truth of God, we open our minds and our hearts more and more to his presence. It says this in Romans 12:1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, I see some of you guys as you come in every week. I see you when you're late, by the way. I know. Okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. I'm not judging you much. Um, so, so I see you when you're coming in, and I see some of you. Some of you guys come in skipping, right? You come in just, praise God, it's been a great week. Everything's awesome. My family's doing great. My situation's great. And I see some of you when you come in broken, and that's okay because you're here. You made it. But I see you, um, and, and, I, and I know what it feels like to be in that place too. And can I just encourage you with this? The next time you come in, just feeling beat down by your week, feeling broken, feeling like you're dragging, feeling like you barely made it in today, just take a moment to lift your hands to the Lord. Take a moment to physically posture yourself in the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying it's a magic cure-all. I wish it was, but it's not. It's not going to fix all your problems. But what it will do is it will open up your heart and your mind to be able to receive what God has for you today. Finally, what we need to understand today is there's power in our worship. There's power in our worship. There's power for those around you when you sing. We say it all the time, but, but, but you singing out the truth of God may be the loudest and most powerful sermon that someone hears all week. They may not hear a word I say today or a word that Pastor Trustin says, but they may have heard you singing, and that may have been all they needed for a breakthrough. 
Think about Paul and Silas um, in prison in the book of Acts. They're sitting there in prison. They've been arrested, and they're sitting in prison. And what does the Bible say that they do? It doesn't say that they started just like clanging a cup against the bars like nobody knows, right? (laughs) They start singing out the truth of God. They start singing a hymn to God. And through their singing, not only was the prison foundation shaken, but everyone's bonds were loosed. Everyone in the building was set free because of their worship and because of their praise. And the same is true for our worship today. By you worshiping, you may be breaking the bonds of the person next to you. You never know. There's power in your worship. There's not only power for those around you, but there's power for you. You know, when we worship, we're magnifying God, right? And you can magnify something in two ways, okay? You can either magnify to the big, right? And that's when we make something bigger. We take an image and we blow it up and we kind of take in the enormity and the tremendousness of this image. Or you can magnify something small. And when we magnify something big, we're reminded of God's power in our lives. When we sing out the truth of God and we're reminded uh, of, his, of his bigness, of his strength, of his power, we're able to, to be reminded of that song we sing often here, right? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind Right? We were reminded that we serve a big, powerful, and awesome God, and that's important. But when we magnify something to the small, um, think about like placing something under a microscope. Right, That's also magnification. When we put something under a microscope, we're able to see that thing more clearly, and we're able to create intimacy with that thing that we're looking at. And I'm going to be honest, this is what God desires from us maybe more than anything, I know it's what God has been teaching me over the last couple of years as he's taken me through a journey of healing and of change. Um, he showed me that he wants intimacy with me. And, I, you know, we have a God who serves with us in the, bat- in the battle and the fight and goes before us. But more than that, we have a God who knows the number of hairs on your head. We have a God who knows that uh, not one sparrow will fall from the sky without him knowing. We have a God who desires intimacy. Um, some of you guys might know this, but um, I, I work for the church, but I also work for Mansfield ISD. Uh, basically, I take special needs students out. We do job training in the community. It's awesome. Um, but the point of the story is that I have to drive this giant white MISD Suburban, right? I cruise around in my big old Suburban all day. Some of you guys may have seen me. I'm really sorry if like, I cut you off or I hit a curb or something. I'm still not very good at it. Uh, and typically, when I'm driving my big old Suburban around, uh, on my lunch break, normally a couple of times a week, I like to just go over to the Starbucks here on Debbie, and uh, I'll just like really cautiously try to back it into a parking spot, which also still not very good at. Um, and, and I'll go inside, I'll get a drink or something, but then I'll just take some time and I'll come out and I'll sit in the back seat of my Suburban and I'll just worship. I'll just worship. I'll just posture myself in a position of worship. And it's all in an attempt to get more intimacy with God. Sometimes I sing, sometimes uh, I read the Bible, sometimes I just listen to worship music and I meditate on, on God and who he is. But it's all in an attempt to magnify to the small so that I might have more intimacy with God. And this past week, um, I was doing just that. I wasn't having the greatest day. I was really kind of hung up on some, um, some decisions I've made in my past and um, some ways that I've hurt other people and ways I've, I've hurt um, my own relationship with my wife and, and some things that I've done. And, and I was just feeling really bogged down with a lot of shame and a lot of um, guilt, a lot of anxiety. Um, and, you know, how many of you guys have been there before that decisions from years ago just hit you in the face and you just, you just have a day with it? Um, 
so I was, I was kind of in that, that mindset, and, and, and I started just in, there in the back seat of my Suburban pulling these things out one by one and just bringing them to God. God, would you forgive me? God, would you, uh, would you heal my marriage? God, would you heal my relationships? God, would you, would you remind me that I'm not just the sum of my decisions? Would you remind me? Would you be with me? Would you be with me? And right there, God met with me. Right there in the back seat of my Suburban, God met with me. And y'all, I had like, up like just a puddle, like just of snot and tears after this was over. Because God met with me. God reminded me in that moment that I'm his son. God reminded me in that moment that his peace is with me. God reminded me in that moment that I'm forgiven of all that stuff. God reminded me in that moment that he walks with me every moment of every day. God reminded me that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He reminded me that I'm his. He reminded me that there's nothing that can pluck me out of his hand. He reminded me that all of his thoughts are toward me and for me and of me. And can I tell you, he feels the same way about you. I'm not special. Just because I'm up here today instead of down there, or because I have pastor in my, worship, in, my, in my job title, I'm not special. God doesn't like me more than he likes you. He feels the same about all of his children. And all of those things that he reminded me and pressed into my heart, he's wanting to say the same thing to you today. But let me tell you that God isn't going to force himself into your life. See, God's a gentleman. He's not going to go somewhere where he isn't first invited. And so my question and my challenge to you today is how is your posture? You see, I was able to receive those things from God in that moment in the backseat of my Suburban because I postured myself in a way to receive them. Yeah. I postured myself in, in a posture of worship. I postured myself in a posture of humility. So my question for you today is how's your posture? Do you come into the presence of a loving God with your arms crossed and your heart closed off? Or do you come into the presence of God with open arms and a humble heart? The Bible tells us in Psalm 51 that a broken and contrite heart he will never despise. So how's your posture today? Let me pray for you this morning. God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you so much that you are a God who is gracious and kind and loving, and you are a God that is worthy of praise. Father, would you work in us uh, to posture ourselves in a means of worship. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, one of the first steps that we can take to connect with God, to worship with God, is to say, God, I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. And this morning, as Pastor Brandon was speaking, I believe that some of you felt God pulling you a little bit. You know, the Bible says that God will draw all men, all women. God will draw all people unto himself to have a relationship with him. So all across this room, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you're here this morning, you would say, you know what? I don't know if I'm in a right relationship with God. I, I haven't asked him to come into my life. I haven't asked him to forgive me of my sins. He's a good God who loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter what man says about you, God says, I love you and I want to forgive you. And so if you want to know that you're in a right relationship with God this morning, I'll just ask that on the count of three, you raise your hand and then just look up at me. We're not going to stand you up. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray a prayer. 
the exact kind of prayer that Brandon prayed in the back of his suburban, just from your heart to God's heart, saying, God, forgive me and be with me. If that's you this morning, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, yep, I see this hand in the back. Yep, I see two, three, four over here. Anybody else want to join these four? Yep, over here, I see so many this morning. Yep, I see right here. Put your hand down. Anybody else want to join these seven or eight that would say, today is my day? <clears throat> Living Church, if you would, would you just pray this prayer with these that raise their hand, repeat after me, say, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I've messed up. But today, I know you love me. Through the mistakes, through the hurt, and that you have a great plan for me. So from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. Amen. Can we give those a hand?